All right, team, let me tell you about NewZest, clean plant-based nutrition products to meet the demands of modern life. And I'm super excited to announce that they are a sponsor of Wikipedia. With over a decade of experience and a presence in more than 20 countries worldwide, NewZest has emerged as a leader in providing innovative solutions for those seeking healthier and more sustainable choices. In a world where people are looking for clean labels, easily digestible ingredients and allergen-free options, NewZest delivers and totally has you covered. Clean Lean Protein is a plant-based protein powder and contains all nine essential amino acids. It encourages recovery, vitality, muscle repair and growth and helps you hit your protein requirements which you know I am all about. One of my favorite products is their Good Green Vitality. It's the gold standard in multi-nutrients. It's designed to make complex nutrition simple. The Super Blend is carefully formulated to address all aspects of health. 75 ingredients working together to support everything from digestion, immunity and healthy aging to stress, energy and cognition in one daily serve. Grab yours today, guys, with a sweet 20% discount for being a listener of the show with the code Wikipedia over at their website. And we will pop a link in the show notes for you to be able to do that. All right, now back to the show. Welcome. Hi. I'm Mickey, and this is Wikipedia, where I sit down and chat to doctors, professors, athletes, practitioners, and experts in their fields related to health, nutrition, fitness, and well-being. And I'm delighted that you're here. Hey everyone, it's Mickey here. You're listening to Wikipedia, and this week on the podcast, I speak to coach David Mathis, fat loss and metabolic health specialist at Team BioLane, and we discuss a health restoration diet or the diet after the diet. So this is a, an approach commonly referred to as a reverse diet, and David discusses what is a health restoration diet and how it differs from your usual fat loss approach, who it is for, what the benefits are, but also the potential downsides, what some of the common mistakes people make when they embark on this approach, and how to approach it in a sustainable way. We also discuss expectations around the outcomes because I can tell you if you jump on social media and search reverse dieting, you get a ton of testimonials that look like someone is now able to eat at least a thousand calories more than they were when they started, yet they're leaner and they're dropping body weight. So to my mind, there is a lot of exaggerated benefits from a reverse diet and this is something that David and I discuss just to help manage expectations around anyone that thinks that they are a good candidate for this approach and what I will tell you though is that I've worked with several people in this space and it has been really successful and of course David and I are going to talk in this conversation what it actually means to be successful in a reverse diet or as David likes to call it a health restoration approach. David is an army combat medic veteran who served overseas for a couple of years, 2010-2011, and after finishing his career in the military, he went on to earn his master's degree in exercise science from the University of South Florida, where he studied under Dr. Bill Campbell, who has also been a guest on the show. During his time at USF, David was a member of a number of research teams that have published peer-reviewed studies looking at metabolic rates and muscle recovery. So you can see why David is, is like the perfect person to have this conversation with. David started as an intern with Lane Norton in 2017 and worked himself up to being the first team BioLane coach and as I understand it he is now head coach and in 2020 he wrote and published the Amazon bestseller A Shell of Myself and in fact we don't really go into David's background on the podcast in too much detail, but um, you can find out more of his challenges with eating disorders and how he overcame them if you go check out its Instagram and of course Amazon for his book. David's approach as a 
coach combines evidence-based practices with real-world application to find the perfect blend that fits his client's lifestyles, preferences and goals. So we have got two different ways to reach out to David in the show notes and that is either over at Instagram, Coach David Mathis, or on the BioLane website where you can potentially reach out to him if you're interested in his coaching services. So before we crack on into this conversation, just a reminder, the best way to support the podcast is to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast listening platform. That increases the visibility of the podcast out there and amongst literally thousands of other podcasts. So more people get the opportunity to learn from the guests that I have on this show, like David Mathis. All right, team, hope you enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much for taking time to speak with me this morning. I really enjoyed your presentation that you did at the BioLane Seminar Day back in May, um, all about reverse dieting and particularly the way that you framed it, like a health restoration diet, which I thought would be really great for us to discuss because I'm not sure if it's just who I engage with in social media, but I feel like there's more and more people discussing, well, I mean, they call it the reverse diet, like this process of the diet after the diet. Um, And it used to, I think, just be the domain of the physique athlete. Is it me or is it much more of a thing now? Um. It's it's kind of hard uh, hard for me to answer that because it's like we've been talking about it for a long time, right? So in one instance, I'm like, well, this isn't anything new because we've been talking. But in the mainstream and, and catching on, yeah, I would say probably the last couple of years, especially, it's it's gotten a lot bigger. Um, and kind of, you touched on it. You know, it used to really only be thought of from the physique standpoint, um, but we're we're seeing more and more just. And I think the reason why we're seeing it more and more now with like general population, um, with people being in, you know, metabolic, having metabolic issues is because years ago, all that bad advice of drop calories, super low cardio yourself to death has caught up to them finally. And, and so now it's like, okay, all those, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, people are hesitant about new, new pharmacological drugs that come on the market. Cause it's like, well, there's not enough data to show what the long-term effects are. Right. Yeah. Well, now we have the long-term effects of all those stupid dieting and, and exercise protocols that people used to do in the past. And the research and the data is showing that it severely hinders your metabolism to the point where, you know, I've got people that come to me on 1100 calories. They can't lose weight. Yeah. Crazy. And it's like, and they're like, well, I think I should just keep dieting. I'm like, let's, let's, let's really think about this. All right. Let's, let's, let's slow down. Do you think that you should be losing on 1100 calories? And they're like, yeah, that's pretty low calories. Right. I'm like, so you're not. So do you think going lower is going to (laughs) fix the issue and just kind of getting people to, to start reframing their thought process about health in general, which is why, I mean, yeah, Wayne is one of the, one of the first to not not the first, but one of the first to start pushing, you know, reverse dieting for overall health. Um, and of course I've been with him since 2017. And so we have a lot of the same similar philosophies and, and all that stuff. Um, but I started just as being so deep in the weeds with coaching over the last almost seven years of online coaching. It's like, if I can learn to, I start explaining it to people more from a health standpoint, right? Instead of really just talking about increasing calories and getting your metabolic rate, I I really start expanding on the health benefits overall, Um, which is why then I started kind of calling it a health restoration phase. Because now I think when people hear reverse dieting that are just kind of getting the tip of the iceberg with knowledge of it, they just think, oh, increase calories. And I think that scares people, especially when you've been on such low calories for a long time and you've been restricting and you have all this weight you want to lose. You're like, the thought of increasing calories is the, the last thing. That doesn't make any sense, right? But when you start reframing it in terms of health restoration, right, and you start explaining to them, okay, you're on 1,100 calories, you're not losing weight, you, you have binge eating episodes, 
you have no energy at work, you have no energy or desire, you're super food focused. Like, does that sound healthy to you? And hundred percent of people are like, no, that's, that doesn't sound healthy. Okay. So do you think that we should probably change course and maybe do a health restoration phase? And people are more on board with that because it, it actually does a better job of explaining what the reverse dieting process is supposed to do is to, you know, rebalance hormones, get your hunger cues back, uh, establish a better relationship with food. Um, a lot of people, uh, you know, when they're in res- uh, severe restriction and they're dieting for a long time, and they're super food focused, they lose relationships. They lose, they can't go out with friends, family. They can't go to holiday parties. They can't do family functions. And that is all part of your total health is being able to do all that. So I just, you know, I don't know how many more people will catch on to using that phrase or not, but it's the phrase I use. Um, I wish I could patent it, but I can't. <laughs> um, but that's why I just, I mean, health, if you hear me talking health restoration, it's reverse dieting. It's, it goes hand in hand. And I still, I still do call it reverse dieting because yeah. that's what people know. You yeah, know? for sure. For sure. But I, I really try to not just hone in on the calorie increase part of it. Um, because I want people to get a full picture of why this is important. Yeah, for sure. And David, am I right in thinking that you were involved in research around reverse dietings, reverse dieting when you were still studying in your master's? Yeah. So we did, um, there was a bunch of different studies we did. I was part of, uh, refeed studies, diet break studies, um, a lot of, you know, kind of these same principles of, you know, increasing caloric intake to help metabolic, uh, rate, help overall health, things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, we're just, we're just finding more and more that, I think I think this is important, and and I was actually part of this study that um, found this out. Was that you know we we used to think that when we would be severely restricting calories and we'd be metabolically adapted, we we thought that it lowered your BMR, your basal metabolic rate. It actually doesn't. It it, it doesn't lower it. Maybe a little bit. It doesn't lower it to any great extent. But what happens that we find is that, you know, there's four main ways that we burn calories. You've got your BMR, which is the biggest percentage of the pie right there. You've got your exercise, which actually isn't that much of total daily energy expenditure. Um, you have your neat, your move, just non-exercise movement, and you have digestion. Digesting food burns calories. What we find is that everything the other three categories other than BMR, those all go down. You're yeah. not expending as much energy at rest. You're not, you're not moving around as much. Your neat isn't quite as much. Um, digestion kind of stays about the same, but not really because you're eating less food. So you're not, yes. you know what I mean? So your, your rate of digestion is kind of down a little bit just because of the volume of food. You're not eating a huge quantity. So all those numbers come down. That's enough to put you into metabolic adaptation and to then, you know, and I'm, I keep throwing out the 1100 calorie. That doesn't mean that's for everybody, but no, I'm just yeah. saying like 1100 calories, you should be losing weight no matter who you are. Yeah. Yeah, okay? for sure. If you're a five foot woman who weighs 90 pounds, you should be losing weight on 1100 calories. Right. Um, so, you know, that's what I kind of explain to people is that, yeah, you know, the research has, has adapted and we have found that it's not really the BMR so much that comes down it's everything else but that everything else is a huge part of the pie and it's enough to diminish the calorie deficit you thought you were creating because that's the right. thing isn't it it's like absolutely because regardless of whatever your diet approach is you need a calorie deficit to lose weight and mm-hmm. even though theoretically the amount of calories you're eating is small enough that you should be eliciting that it's actually not happening because the the dial has turned down in all of these other areas hundred percent. I mean, if, if you think about BMR and there's different, there's different ratios people will throw out there anywhere from 60 to 70% of your total daily energy expenditure. Let's just say it's 60%. Okay. You've got 40% of the rest of the pie that accounts for your energy expenditure that's going down. Let's say it, it decreases by 25%. That's a lot of calories right there. Right. So you could be thinking that you're in a deficit, but really, and, and but really you're actually 25% lower than that. And you're just crashing your, your metabolic rate. Now your metabolic rate is not damaged. It's not unrecoverable, 
It's just doing what it's supposed to do to keep you alive, which is to lower your energy expenditure so that whatever calories you are taking in, that your body can utilize them to keep you alive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> keep your heart beating, your lungs pumping, stuff like that, right? So, you know, I think really kind of helping people understand how their body works and how their body operates um, function over, you know, physique. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. For sure. And and I think that if you can kind of start getting people to really buy in to how important their health is and how important a functioning system is overall, um, it makes them open their eyes to understanding why a reverse diet slash health restoration phase is so vital for them for their long term goals. And then, you know, that's the other part of it is, is getting people to you know, not sacrifice or how does it go? Sacrifice what they want now for what they want long-term. We live in such a, such a world and I can't, I mean, I'm the same way with a lot of things. I want things now, right? We've gotten used to it. It's just not how health and physique works. It's just not, Uh, you know, it's like trying to talk to an animal. Animals communicate in a completely different way than human beings, right? So we have to start thinking about our health, our physique, our performance, our longevity in a completely different way than what we have been before. Yeah, nice. Now, David, for people who are unfamiliar with reverse dieting, because there will be people with this, that the concept itself is relatively new or they've not heard it. Are you able just to sort of define for us what that actually is? And of course, when we say reverse dieting, health restoration, it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in essence, it is a... It's exactly what it sounds like. It's the reverse of dieting, right? Um, So we're not decreasing calories. We're actually increasing calories. So I've made a YouTube video about this years ago. It's still actually one of my favorite YouTube videos, but um, I describe your metabolism as like a campfire. All right. So most people have been camping before, right? And then when they go to bed, the the campfire is still burning a little bit. But when you wake up in the morning, it's all burnt up. You know, it's barely smoking. And essentially, that's the analogy of your metabolism. Like when you have a a hot burning metabolism, everything's going well. When you wake up in the morning and it's that, you know, all the wood's burnt up, you got the ashes and the smoke's barely coming, that's your adapted metabolism. So how do you go about getting that fire to burn hot again? Well, you slowly put logs back onto that fire. Logs are calories in the case of our, our metabolic rate, right? If I were to just take a whole handful of logs and walk over to that fire and just throw them on it, it's just going to smother that fire. It's not going to have a chance to start burning hot again, which is why we don't want to just start loading up with calories right away. We are going to store more body fat that way. We take a very, very slow, conservative, efficient approach to where, you know, we're looking at data every week. We're looking at what your rate of weight gain is. You know, are we staking kind of within that? you know, 0.02% total body weight increase per week um, range that we we find to be a good balance of being able to increase caloric intake while limiting the fat gain as we go. So for, for most people, I usually tell them six months to a year is what you're looking at for a reverse diet. I've had a few people that have done it in four or five months, but there's it all depends on your circumstance too. Um, I've had people that we've had to reverse diet for over a year. And, and honestly, and you know, we've tried dieting then after that, and we needed to go back into a reverse diet because they just were not recovered enough yet. Um, so we just look at the data every week and, you know, I may only take calories up like one to 3% of their calories. So it's very small little jumps, but if, if you can do, I don't know, if you can do a 25 calorie increase every week, meaning like your weight is staying very consistent, very stable with where we're looking at after a month, that's hundred calories higher a day. After two months, that's 200 calories higher a day. And most of the time, you know, after two or three months, you should be somewhere between about 200 and 250 calories a day higher. And the, the caloric intake and, and for some people, it, it means putting on a little body fat in order to get healthier. Right. Um, you know, not so much for the people that are maybe a little bit overweight already who are just metabolically adapted from restricting so much, but for somebody who has gone through an aggressive dieting phase and has gotten down low in body fat percentage, um, I see this with men a lot, testosterone levels drop, right? 
women, you know, estrogen drops, um, some lose their menstrual cycles. Like that's not a good thing. That's, that's a pretty clear sign that you're not healthy. So a lot of times in order to get your health back, that health restoration phase, we may need to gain a little body fat. For some of the people that are carrying around a little bit more body fat already, it may just be, we need time to build the caloric intake up to give your body the energy it needs to be properly functioning. So other than the low calories, there are a few things that I'd I'd love to touch on with that. Other than the low calories, what are some other signs that someone might be a good candidate for a health restoration phase? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So not being able to sustain the caloric intake that you're on, um, finding yourself. I don't want to, I don't want to say binging because that doesn't describe everybody, but having a very hard time sticking to the low calorie intake that you're on, not having energy to train hard, not having energy at your job, your everyday functions, um, becoming extremely food focused. Um, you know, not recovering well from your workouts sleep issues, things like that. Those could all be absolute reasons why, um, you know, even, even things like depression, anxiety. Um, if you are not someone who's experienced that before, um, you know, those could be some symptoms of being extremely restricted and on a, on a low caloric intake. Um, and those things might be an indication of needing a health restoration phase. And you actually touched on this when you were chatting about it. It isn't necessarily just for someone who is very lean and then needs to come back up and sort of stay there. Like it's sort of agnostic of, of body size, it seems. Yeah, honestly, I've been sitting here thinking about it as we've been talking. And it's it's interesting you bring that up because I would say majority of people that I work with, with health restoration phase are actually ones that are carrying more body fat on them. Um, and the reason has to, goes back to, I, I, we talked about earlier, I couldn't remember if we were recording or not at that point, but it was, you know, the, the years and the decades of bad nutrition and bad training advice catching up to them. These are people that, you know, have been desperately trying to lose 30, 40, 50 pounds, getting their body fat down, but they've been doing it by basically starvation diets and over-exercising to the point where their cortisol levels are jacked up so high that it inhibits fat burning and promotes fat storage and they can't sustain the lower calories that they're on. So then they start binge eating or or overeating, right? And it's just this vicious yo-yo dieting, you know, circle that they're in as far as they go on a really low restricted diet for quite a while. They increase energy output. They can't sustain, they get, they maybe lose a little bit of weight, but they can't sustain that. So then their hunger cues get all thrown off. They start overeating, overcompensating. And then they also overcompensate the other way with exercise where they just stop doing anything. And it's just this back and forth and and that your body doesn't know what to do with that. That's why consistency, you know, adherence is so important because the body wants to know what it's going to be fed every day. It wants to know how it can allocate calories, you know, it's just this high and low is what people have done for decades. And it's just gotten them into such a mess. See, it sounds to me, David, like that in that scenario of a person who's, who still has excess body fat, they'd like to lose, like they almost just need to be more moderate with their approach you know like they like so their health restoration phase is sort of bring them up to a calorie level where they could still actually lose body fat but actually be far healthier whilst doing it and prevent yeah, no, that's the a good compensation point. And, um a lot of people are also underestimating their caloric intake too so they're actually eating more than what they think so sometimes you know, we may approach a reverse diet thinking, okay, you're metabolically adapted, but then we may actually get into it. We see what you're actually eating. You're actually tracking. You're actually, we realize, okay, this isn't a health, this isn't a metabolic adaptation issue. This is an adherence issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then that changes the game completely. Right. I've had a lot of people where over the years we've started, you know, a reverse diet, health restoration phase, thinking that they were metabolically adapted. We get five or six weeks into it and we've increased their calories four or 500 calories a day or a a day. Yeah. And, um, they're losing weight and it's like, okay, this wasn't what we thought it was. You just weren't tracking accurately or not tracking at all. And you were just guesstimating 
you know, what you were taking in. Um, and then as far as with the people, um, let's see, what did you say? I, what was the people who just need to be more consistent with higher calories yeah. on their fat loss phase? Yeah. And the thing about that is you start learning and building new habits. So a lot of these people that have had a hard time dropping body fat and, and losing the weight, it's not that they're not like disciplined overall, right? A lot of them are busy professionals. Like they're smart, you know, they're smart. It's just, you know, we all have different areas in our life where we're not very disciplined, right? You, you can take the most disciplined person in the world. You're going to find a weakness. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? And for a lot of these people, it, you know, I find it, it is, they work a lot. They've got busy family demands and it's just like their health is just not as much of a priority as I feel like it should be for everybody. Right. And, and that's a, that's a personal choice everybody has to make, but we start finding that is if we can take this health restoration phase slow, it may not even be that much calories that we need to take up, but it's that time to build that new habit and that new sustainability and learn a new lifestyle, develop a new lifestyle to where then when we go back into a fat loss phase, we're doing it more efficiently. We're doing it more conservatively. We're not crash dieting. And you're actually developing these skills that's going to allow you to sustain it long term. Yeah, nice. Because that's so, so what I see quite a bit on social media are these sort of before and after shots of someone who doesn't look like they've changed necessarily in how they look. But now it's like, what a miracle they're eating, you know, 500 additional calories and losing weight. And the thing, and I think initially what you said, I think, well, I wonder how they adhered to that 1200 calories before they started this diet. And maybe there was that um, sort of weekday tracking weekend bender going on. Um, Or it's, yeah, and that's actually the thing that I think, because it's like some of these reverse dieting success stories almost seem too good to be true. Like how can someone possibly be eating? Yeah. You know, that's many more I'll be the first to tell you, I've had some pretty remarkable transformations with clients. I had I had a a girl a couple years ago who increased her calories by over a thousand a day, and she actually was only up like two tenths of a pound by the end. Now, I always throw in caveats. I don't just I don't just do that. I tell the whole story because I don't want people to come into it thinking that they can have miracles like that. She was also training for a marathon at the time. And really her main goal was to increase performance. So the extra calories were helping her train harder and recover better so that she can continue to do that. So that's why she was also doing a lot of exercise for her specific training. Um, I had a guy that just won the reverse dieting category in our last 16 week diet lifestyle remodel. And I can't remember the exact number. I want to say he was up like 1300 calories a day. And I mean, he was basically about the same weight. Um, now we did find, and, and I think I did put this caveat in there that he, he was not tracking a hundred percent when we started. So even though his calories were where they were when they started, it wasn't like he was consistently hitting that. Okay. But I think it's really important to touch on too, that there are some anomalies out there that they were doing everything they said they were at the beginning, right? And they did increase those calories and they still stayed the same weight or they even lost some weight. Um, But that is not something somebody should expect going into it. You should expect that there's going to be some weight gain. Not all weight gain means fat gain and not all weight gain is bad, right? Like a little bit ago, some people need that weight gain in order to actually truly get healthy. But I think you said this at the the start of this question is like, um, you know, you'll see some people they'll go through, they'll increase these calories and their, their body really hasn't changed. That's actually the goal. You like, if we can keep your body about the same as it was when we started the reverse diet, but get your calories built up and get you healthy and go through this. That's fantastic. Now, instead of saying like, okay, 1600 calories was where you were. Now we've gotten you up to 28, 29, 3000 calories, right? that's a lot better place to start a fat loss phase and you haven't lost any ground. Your body's still the same, right? It's not in a worse position, but I, I tell people if, if you can stay, you know, a little under a 1% total body weight increase per month while reverse dieting. So let's just, you know, you're 120 pounds when you start it 1.2 pounds a month, right? That's a very conservative approach to a reverse diet because 
That 1.2 pounds is not going to be all body fat. The majority of it's going to be water, glycogen, things like that. You really won't start putting on any body fat until you really get to where your actual maintenance, you know, above the maintenance. Now, that doesn't mean your body might not change. That doesn't mean you might not look a little softer or you might not feel a little bloated or something like that. But bloating does not equal fat. So this is a phrase I use with my clients a lot. And I I find more people appreciate it than, than don't. But it's like your feelings are real, but they're not always right. Yeah, that's I, brilliant. So yep, listen yep. to your, like, you know, acknowledge your feelings. That's fine. It doesn't make the situation truthful. Yeah. Yeah. So like not everything you're feeling is the actual reality. And I think that that actually really helps people, you know, become more, more centered, more in tune with their body. Cause like, listen, there's times I feel bloated and I'm like, oh, man, I'm really, really uncomfortable. But over time, you don't just automatically think, oh man, I just got fat. Right. Like you learn to acknowledge that your body changes. Like when you get done eating, you should feel a little dist- distension. Right? Your belly is stomach's full. <laughs> like you just ate. So many people, and, and I wrote about this in my book when I was going through my eating disorder issues. Like I hated the feeling of feeling full. Like I, I thrived on that hungry feeling, that empty stomach feeling. Right. And it's all mental. It's all mental issue. Right. Um, and that all came about from severely restricting. See, it's just this huge vicious cycle. Like it changes your brain chemistry. So I'll have people like, oh, I, you know, I don't want to eat that much or that many calories. It's going to make me feel bloated and uncomfortable. I'm like, first of all, you're going to, you should not feel hungry after you eat. Like you should feel like you, you just ate some food. Your stomach's full. Second of all, like, calories and this is where i see a lot of people get freaked out when i start telling them about like specifically for them what calorie intake we need to get to for the self restoration phase and sometimes it's double what they're taking in right now like, there is no way i'm going to get fat i can't eat that much that's a lot of calories and and i keep telling them first of all it's not the calories that's the issue you're thinking about trying to eat the way that you're eating right now and eat all those calories. It's because most people are, when they're on low calories, they're eating for volume, right? They're eating a lot of fiber, vegetables, things like that. You have to be flexible and change the way you eat to get those calories. And I tell people, could you go right now and have a couple bowls of ice cream and a piece of pizza? Yeah, absolutely. That right there is probably a thousand calories. You're telling me it's the calories? No, it's the food that you're eating to fill those calories, right? And then the other thing I tell them is like, you're you're equating us going from this number to this number real quick do you just go in and and you want to increase your squat from 135 to 225 do you do that real quick no it's a progressive overload system just like we do in the gym we go very slow we we let your body adapt we let your body kind of get used to those calories and then we give it another little challenge just like you do when you're progressively overloading in the gym and we have to train your digestive system to start handling that food little by little, but kind of going back to the campfire thing, you can't just throw all that food and all those calories on them right away. First of all, maybe for a couple of days, they'll be able to eat it and, and, and keep up with it. Their stomachs have shrunk. They're, they're not able to sustain it. And then mentally they start like, Oh, I don't feel good. I can't do this. And then they just retreat back to what they did before, which is restricted. Yeah. Yeah. And, and is that one of the reasons, David, why um, this can, for some people, be a better approach than going straight back to the a main, um, a revised maintenance sort of calorie number based on their current body shape or body size? Yeah. Um, I think there's definitely a time and place for that approach. Um, very individually dependent. I would say for somebody who and I see this more from a like a, a prep standpoint, like from a end of the contest prep, more so than somebody who's just general pop who's been yo-yo dieting for years. Um, because those those clients, those prep clients, they are doing drastic, unhealthy things. Prep is not a healthy endeavor. Nobody who has ever undergone prep will tell you that this is a healthy thing. Um, they they look the best that they've ever looked when they step on stage for that few minutes but they feel like absolute dog shit. Yeah. Like their performance sucks in the gym. 
true competitors do not want to stay stage lean all year round. It's the people who have never competed that want to stay stage lean all year round. So those people, if they have had a hard prep and they've really had to dig hard and they're experiencing some health issues, those people probably need to increase calories quicker coming out of the show to start feeling better a little bit quicker. Now, they're also not worried about the body fat because they're planning on probably going through a building phase and they know that they diet back down in a year, a year and a half next time they do a show. It's really the people that aren't competing regularly that don't understand that process that are like really afraid of that caloric increase right away, right? Um, So people who might be experiencing a little bit more health issues at the end of their fat loss phase and are very low in body fat, I think maybe a little bit quicker of approach, and I've taken this with clients, is warranted. I think for general pop, people who are dealing with yo-yo dieting and have been doing this for decades, you don't want to do anything extreme with these people because that's what's gotten them into this situation to begin with. You're not teaching them anything about sustainability, about building new habits, building a new lifestyle. So I, I really avoid doing anything drastic with, even if it is somebody who is experiencing a little bit of health issues and they're on severely low calories and they're a general pop. If I know their history of, okay, they've done a lot of huge increases before and they've done a lot of huge decreases before. I'm still going to take a little bit slower approach with them and try to work on those habits along the way because they will start feeling a little bit better as we go. And we are going to avoid that mental block that they sometimes would get from doing these extreme yo-yo dieting. Yeah. And I feel like that's a great way to build for that person to sort of rebuild trust that their body will respond that the way that they want. So can you chat about what happens when you slowly increase calories from that physiological standpoint, because it's not just putting more calories on and everything stays the same, except you're eating more calories that you start sort of gearing up again, don't you? Yeah. I mean, um, you can go back to the campfire analogy. You can think of your metabolism, like a furnace, like that flame starts getting hotter again. And, And not so much even just that it's the fact that Okay, when when you're severely restricting or you're on low calories, anybody who's gone through a prep knows this. Anybody who's just really low on calories knows this that you don't have the energy to do extra. You you just you barely have the energy. Like you can go to the gym, that's great, but when you come home, you're you're sitting in front of the couch, you're sitting on the couch, you're sitting in front of the TV, you're on the computer. You're not wanting to do any extra movement that isn't warranted, right? But this is where we'll say you know, calories in affects your calories out. So as you're eating more, you're getting more energy. Your body's like, Hey, okay, I don't need to just like hoard all this. I can actually use it. We can, we can do more things, right? We have more energy to do things. So you find yourself moving a little bit more, not sitting in front of the TV as much going out for walks on a nice day, playing out in the yard with your kids, um, training a little bit harder in the gym. Like you may think you're training hard, but there's a big difference when you start adding another 500 calories a day to your diet. You see that your your intensity goes up, the weight used goes up. You know, you're able to push heavier weight, um which then in turn is going to burn more calories. So your calories in is going to affect your calories out. Yeah. And you mentioned the training side of things. So and and your uh marathon runner client because a lot of people who who I talk to um, and who will be listening to the show will be in that endurance camp and could quite well be in a similar position to to your sort of clients so what is the like I guess my first question is what kind of recommendations around training would you generally make and then the next question which I mean I know it does work but what are your thoughts for the reverse diet for the endurance athlete because I see a lot of endurance athletes on very low calories. They are. They are. And because they want to stay slim and trim and they, you know, and light. Um, but this is where you got to stop thinking like a physique athlete, start thinking like a performance athlete. Um, as far as how would I, how would I, you know, maneuver calories around training? A lot of that's going to be dependent on the individual. Um, what time of day they train, you know. I, I've got some people, and this goes for weight training as well. It's like they can go train fasted at 5 a.m. in the morning and be fine. 
Me? No, no. I could go do cardio fasted. I'd be fine. If I try to go do weights in the morning fasted, no, <laughs> that does not happen. So there's a lot of individuality with that. Honestly, I think just like kind of going back to what you said, most endurance athletes, I think, are under eating, which is leading to underperformance. And I don't think it's necessarily like we need to strategize you know, more carbs here before workout or more fat or whatever that I think it's just overall getting your caloric intake up. You know, um, for some people, you know, I would see, I could look at their program and be like, yeah, let's try putting a little bit more carbohydrates in this area and see if that does help a little bit more. But for the most part, just naturally fueling your body more properly throughout the day is going to get you ready for tomorrow's training session. And it just is a carryover effect. You're going to recover quicker. You're going to have more fuel in your system. Um, you can have more glycogen in your muscles. You're going to have more hydration you're going to be hydrating properly you're going to have plenty of sodium and potassium magnesium the electrolytes you need for endurance type for actually for any activity but you know especially endurance where you're sweating a lot and you're sweating those electrolytes out um so yeah i think just overall i mean fueling your body properly with the amount of calories it needs and then from there breaking down what the individual athlete needs for their competition, for their time of day, their training, how they handle food, so on and so forth. Yeah. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily approach the revert, the health restoration approach any different if you've got like a strength-based person in the gym versus someone out there training for a, an Ironman or, or a marathon really. Yeah, I wouldn't with the, with the only caveat is, is that, you know, like I said, we look at data every week, right? So typically with endurance athletes, their training volume is huge, right? There's a lot of energy expenditure. You, and this is why cardio is usually the go-to for people overweight training when it comes to fat loss, because you do burn calories quicker. Like you're going to, you can go out and do a three, four mile run. You're going to burn 300 calories right away. You're not going to necessarily burn that during the weight training session in an hour, but you're going to get the afterburn from the weight training session for the next 24, 48 hours. People don't understand that. However, endurance athletes do burn a huge chunk of calories at one time. So in the case with, with the girl I was talking about, the marathon runner, we found that she was losing weight real quick. So we were able to increase because we started increasing caloric intake, her training performance increased, meaning more caloric burn. So we were able to increase her faster, but that was all based off of her individuality. But the, the, the general approach is still the same. We look at your data every week. Are you staying within this given weight range? If you're losing weight, then we can increase you quicker, right? If you're kind of at the upper end of that weight limit that we're looking at, then we may not make a change. We may wait for your body to adjust and bring that rate of weight gain down and level off, or we may just make a smaller little jump up, right? Um, but with with endurance athletes and people that are doing marathons, maybe long cycling um, events, things like that, triathlons, um, there is probably a potential of increasing quicker because of their energy expenditure. But that would be that would have to be on the individual basis. So Yeah. And do you ever in a, a health restoration phase, if you're getting someone who isn't in it for performance, yet they are doing like quite a bit of um, sort of cardio based exercise from that fat loss perspective, like do you ever manipulate their training at the start of their health restoration phase? What's your approach there, David? Yeah, that's a great question. So a lot of times people will be doing very few calories, a lot of cardio, right? Now, I never want to take away an activity that somebody truly enjoys doing. So if they are doing a lot of cardio, they're running a lot because they truly enjoy it and that is their favorite form of activity, then we will figure out a way to keep it at a, at a decent level for them because I want them to enjoy fitness. Like I don't want them to just think about exercises, burning calories or you know anything like that. However, that's not the case for most people that I work with. Um, most people are doing a lot of cardio because they think it's going to help them burn more body fat. Well, they're metabolically adapted, so they're in that kind of weird zone there, right? So what we want to do is, you know, I, I know people aren't necessarily going to see this, but if your cardio is way up here and your, car, your calories are way down here, we want to slowly over time shift those ratios 
to bring them more in balance. So we want to slowly bring calories up and we don't want to cut drastically cut cardio right away because that's going to affect your energy input and output, right? So your, your net calorie intake. So that's going to make you gain weight quicker. So we want to go at a, a very good ratio to where we're slowly bringing the cardio down, slowly bringing the calories up so that there is this not, there's not this drastic change overall. Um, I'm not one that eliminates cardio. I think cardio is very important. Um, even if you're in a building phase, because I think if you probably pulled 80% of the people out there and asked them, what's the purpose of cardio, they're going to say burning calories. And that's actually, that's not the purpose of burning of cardio. It's actually heart health. Yes. Right. Yes. So, um, I like to keep some in usually for most people, it's going to be anywhere between 20 to 40 minutes a week, uh, at the end of their reverse dieting phase. Right. If they are not one of these people who just, they just love to run. That's their form of exercise. They love doing that. Right. And the reason why is because at the end of the, the health restoration phase, reverse dieting phase, I want you to be on as high a calories as possible, as low a cardio as possible, so that when we do start a fat loss phase, we can do the opposite again. We have a lot of room to come down in calories slowly over time, and we have a lot of room to increase that energy expenditure that your body hasn't been used to for the last six months, right? Because as you keep doing the same thing over and over and over, your body becomes efficient at it. And this is where efficiency is not a good thing, all right? Because that means your body is going to learn how to perform the same activity while burning less calories to do it. So, for example, if someone's like, they do a stair-stepper on a certain level, certain amount of minutes each day, each week, so on and so forth, and you get that number that pops out there, um, how many calories you burn. First of all, I don't trust any of those machines anyways, but if you're staying with consistency, right? Well, you're going to see that same number into week two or week three or week four or week five. It doesn't mean you're actually still burning that amount. As the weeks go on, your body's going to become more efficient as you become more conditioned. And you are going to, that number is still going to show up there, but it's actually going to be less and less and less that your body's actually burning. So once again, then you get into this, this predicament of, okay, you're overestimating your caloric output and maybe you're underestimating your caloric intake and you're gaining this weight and you don't understand why. Yeah, totally. Cause nothing's changed, but that's the problem. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so David with, we sort of talk, we're sort of throwing around, um, just throughout our conversation, like different sort of calorie amounts that we could be shooting for, or people might sort of increase their caloric intake. Like, and so just, you know, 250 calories for people who don't really know calories. Cause this is the thing, like people will be listening going, what even does that equate to? Like that might be like, I don't know, a sandwich, like a PB sandwich or a peanut butter sandwich or, you know, it's, it's not a lot of food actually, when you sort of like divide it up amongst meals, I guess. Yeah. And it, and it, and it depends on, I, a lot of it depends on too, like, are you needing those calories more from protein or carbs and fats? Because you want to make sure that, and, and I find this with people too that are restricting a lot, they're also under eating on protein, right? So the, the issue for a while, like you could be increasing calories for quite a, quite a while and it really just come from protein just to make sure that we're getting you back up to where you need to be for your lean body needs, right? Lean body mass needs. Because at the end of the day, your overall calories for depending on if you're trying to gain weight, lose weight, maintain weight, those are going to be the most important followed by making sure that you're taking an adequate protein for your lean body mass needs. How you really mix and match carbs and fats from a, a weight loss or a weight gain perspective, we, we've seen meta-analysis of this, like it does not matter. Okay. Now sports performance is a different, different topic. Like the ratio of carbs and fats is, is super important at that point, right? Um, so, you know, like you said, 250 calories, for example, it, it, it's not that much. It really isn't. But it, it also depends on how you need to break those 250 calories up. An extra 250 calories of protein could be quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, it could be quite a bit of meat that you have to eat that you're not used to. From a carbs and fat standpoint, I mean, if you just do a tablespoon of olive oil, that's like 110, 120 calories right there. You won't even take, you won't even know that that's in your stomach. So it, it depends on how the, that macro 
breakdown is for that 250 or 300 or 400 calories extra a day that you need. I've had plenty of people where, you know, for the first month or month and a half, we, we haven't even increased carbs or fats because we've needed to bring protein up so much. And, you know, it, it, it just kind of, it, it depends. I mean, protein's going to be a little bit more for your body to digest. So it could feel a little bit harder to get that extra 250 calories up. Um, you know, with, with a lot of people, I think with that approach, it would be smart to do everything a little bit at a time and not just try to focus solely on one macro group. Right. Um, so let's say for example, somebody's, let's say 250 calories lower, that's what about 60 grams or so of, of protein under, I'd probably maybe say, okay, let's try to do five or 10 grams more of protein and maybe another five or 10 grams more of carbs or fats. Right. And just little by little like that. Um, instead of just doing it all at once. What's your base protein sort of, what do you, how do you work with clients there? Are you up at a gram per pound or? Um... Yeah, I think for most people that's safe and that's, that's pretty easy. Um, somebody who is on the higher overweight status or obese, definitely find out, figure out their lean body mass and I'll base it off of their lean body mass. Um, usually, so we'll find their lean body mass in kilograms. And then the range is typically from about, you know, 1.8 to about 2.8 grams per kilogram of lean body mass. If you're someone who is trying to increase caloric intake, um, you can be on the lower end of that because calories are protein sparing. Um, if you're someone who's dieting, you would want to kind of be on the higher end to maintain and, and preserve your lean body mass and your amino acids as you're dieting down. So your body's not drawn from your muscle tissue for energy. Um, but yeah, typically for most people, if you're at a, a you know, fairly decent body fat percentage, you're not extremely overweight. Um, I'll, I'll kind of leave it at about a pound, uh, a gram per pound, because I'd rather err on a little bit higher protein, uh, than not enough. And so that's, that's kind of how I do it. But if somebody is, you know, on the higher BMI side and, and obese, then we'll figure it out based on their lean body mass. Yeah, nice. And David, so with a health restoration phase, then we've sort of got two populations, or in my head, I'm thinking a few, uh, two populations. Like you've got the people who are happy with their physique, but are just not happy and not that healthy with a low calorie intake. And then you have people who are still have excess body fat to lose, but just the metabolically they've sort of adapted to this low calorie and they're, they're really plateaued. So, so I suppose like with the people who are happy with their physique, the end goal is to get them just eating more calories yet still be happy with how they look. Yeah. And, and this is where there's a little bit of psychology that comes into play with this too. Um, depending on where they're at from a you know mental standpoint in regards to their physique and, and, and all that stuff and their body image and all that. Um, with everybody, no matter if you're in this situation or you're somebody who's in a dire need of a reverse diet, I'm going to show you where your calculated maintenance calories should be based off the Mueller equation. Yeah. So now that doesn't, that's not a hard number. That's not, there's, there's, a range, it can be as much as 10 or 15% in either direction based on your dieting history, your lifestyle, your exercise intensity, your genetics, things like that, right? But with anybody, I'm going I'm to kind of show you what that number is and say that's kind of the range that we're shooting for, right? And then I kind of want to see what their reaction is and also see, you know, how much more do they have to go and explain to them, okay, you want to, in this situation, you want to maintain the physique you have, right? but we still maybe have five or 600 calories we need to go to get you up there. Well, we're probably going to take a very slow approach to that. Um, and we're also going to look at their training intensity. They're going to look at their training program. Is there areas where we can increase frequency of weight training to help make, help utilize these calories and, and enhance your physique a little bit more, or at least keep you where you're at. Right. Um, so it, it's all, I mean, once again, I know I said this multiple times, it really goes back to the individual and how we approach it. There's general, there's a general structure and a general philosophy that I follow and that we all follow to, to do this, but we're not dogmatic about any approach. I mean, I've started one 
one way with a, a client and realized, oh, we either have to slow down more or, man, we can really speed up, right? So everything is very, very individualized. Somebody like that, in this case, I'd probably go very slow so that we can try to maintain that physique, knowing that you know we're not dieting down after, right? And that's the other thing is that like, if we're doing this just to get up there and then you have no plans of dieting down, well, we definitely don't need to take this fast. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're already, you know, you're not feeling negative effects or anything from, you know, you want to be up a little bit higher in calories, but you want to maintain. So it's not as urgent need as it is for somebody who's maybe experiencing some health issues from it. Yeah, cool. And then with people who still have excess body fat to lose, the goal is to sort of get them to this place where where they can now diet down on higher calories than they would normally. Do, do we see that? Does it happen or do they that's just a, get that's a great question. So that is what we thought. That is what we always thought. And and I'll be the first to tell you years ago I used to preach that. And that is that is the case for some people still. It is not the general case overall, though. Um, there are still going to be people that need to get down super low to lose weight. Um, that does not mean that the reverse diet slash health restoration phase was not needed or not effective. Um, because once again, health restoration, right? But that is something that I had to wrestle with a few years ago as I started noticing and I started kind of getting caught. Like people are like, I thought I was going to be able to diet down on higher calories. And I'm just, and I'm like, you know, new research, we, we know what we know, right? With new research. I tell people all the time, there's, there's research that is done. It is written up. It is waiting right now to be published that were, was done years ago that we don't know the results of yet that might change something else that I do with my coaching, right? We, had, we just had a study that we did four years ago in grad school that just got published a few months ago. It, it's just nuts. So I had to start adapting my approach to it and, and understanding and trying to help people understand like, hey, I'm not trying to pull one over on you. This is the new data that we have. This is what we once thought. You know, you are, you may still have to get down pretty low in calories, especially if you haven't built a whole lot of new lean body mass because new muscle tissue new lean body mass overall like that that's going to be more metabolically active which is going to support a higher caloric intake but if you haven't really taken the time to, to build a lot of muscle and and i'd argue in six months of reverse dieting you probably didn't build that much especially if you're a natural right like it takes a long time so we can't expect you to diet down on higher calories now without more muscle mass to show for so I, I, I tell people, this does not mean that we're going to necessarily be able to die down. You may be able to start losing some weight on higher calories just for a while due to just being overall healthier and having a little bit higher metabolic rate. But to get to where you want to get to, we're still probably going to have to push it. This isn't, this isn't a phase where we just abandon all the, the, the dieting the, principles hell of dieting. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, they're, Dieting is not fun. I have I, I kind of had to laugh. I had a client that emailed me this morning with their check in, and they're like, "I'm just really hungry, like all this stuff." I'm like, "Welcome yeah. to dieting." Like, <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's okay to be hungry. It's okay to be hungry when you, you now. If it's to the point where you're starting to binge or it's uncontrollable, that's that's a whole other story. But hunger is going to come with being in a core deficit. Um. So I just had to laugh at that this morning. Totally. So. You have to manage expectations, right? And I feel like Absolutely. sometimes um, people misunderstand or I don't know, like I, cause I see this a little bit out on social media too, like, like the dangers of too low calorie. And I'm like, yeah, for extended periods of time, this might not necessarily be good, but if you've got goal, like I think people sometimes overestimate the number of calories they need to lose weight and actually it's okay to have periods of low calorie to meet your goals mm -hmm. then of course subsequently you know you you come out of that calorie deficit but people i think underestimate what it can take sometimes yeah i'll i'll tell people from from the get-go i always start everything conservative with people because i want to see how high we can lose calories on it's not a badge of honor to drop down as low as you can in calories, right? Nobody cares. 
<laughs> all, all it's going to do is make you miserable. And you may be able to get away with, and, and the other thing is, is you don't want to lose weight too quickly. You will start wasting away muscle tissue. So we want to kind of stay within that half a percent to 1% total body weight range loss per week range. Now, if you're someone who is obese, we can't up that a little bit safely, but typically that 1% is where we find like, okay, if you're not overweight or obese, you're going to start probably have a higher risk of losing muscle tissue at that point when you're dieting down. So we don't want to diet down super aggressive. Plus you don't learn any new habits to be able to sustain that long-term. You get in the same vicious cycle of yo-yo dieting back and forth. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just upfront with everybody. I'm like, listen, you're right on that edge of kind of where we want to be from a weight loss perspective. Like, could we decrease you mourning, increase that? Yeah, but we got to think of the long picture, long run, like be consistent, adherent, patient, and just keep doing this week after week. So yeah, I, I'm always one to be telling people like diet on this high calories. Actually, overall, do as little as you can to get the most results. And that goes, that flies in the face of everything that the fitness industry tells you. Like do more exercise, eat less food. No, eat more food, do enough exercise to be healthy, but don't overdo it for just for the sake of overdoing it. Like, because you don't have, uh, it feels like there's nowhere to go after that. So, so essentially, exactly. people who still need to carry, who still carry excess body fat, might reverse diet almost to give themselves a break to get back into touch with their sort of hunger cues to, to have their. Um, yeah, essentially, it's almost like a an extended diet break, maybe before they then go back into another diet phase more motivated, yeah. more energy, that kind of thing. The hunger cue thing is a, is a huge part of that because you, a lot of people that are carrying around a lot of body fat, um, their, their hunger cues are the most messed up. Like they don't, the, the regulation of feeling full and feeling um, hungry is just all thrown off. Like they're, they just don't get full quick, which it leads to more overeating. Right. And, and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, you got to get all that stuff balanced if you want to have any sort of any sort of success, you know, taking the weight off and then keeping it off. Because, you know, we used to say it here in the United States, but I think it's worldwide at this point. We don't have a weight loss issue. We have a weight sustainability issue. I mean, people can people lose a lot of weight all the time. But within, you know, there's a stat and I actually made a video about this a little bit ago. 95% of the people who lose a significant amount of weight, which we would consider about 10% of your total body weight or more, within five years, they're going to gain all that back plus more. So you're looking at a 5% dieting success over a five-year span. That's not, that's not where we need to be. So that shows that the messaging needs to change. And, and we've been messaging the way that we do for a long time, and it's good to see it's it's not only good to see like our content being shared more and, and to people, but also inspiring other coaches and other influencers and stuff to start making actual useful content that's going to help people's lives and not just these flashy before and after photos to try to get clients when you know all they're going to do is put you on a 500 calorie diet and load you up on cardio. Totally, totally agree. David, thank you so much. Like I, I feel like um, this is um, really helpful for people in both sort of camps of sort of where they're at in their dieting, I suppose, um, journey. And you share so much great information. The whole team shares great information, which is why I was so thrilled to be able to attend your event. Can you let people know where they can find you on the internet? Yeah. Um, so... Instagram's usually the the biggest thing that I'm on. It's just at Coach David Mathis. Um, I do have a YouTube channel. You just look up David Mathis. I, I, you know, admittedly have not been very active on that in the last year or so. Just daughter, and honestly, just no excuses. I just haven't been that that active. But I am going to start getting more active on that again. Um, and then you know, Facebook, but that's kind of just a, a secondary thing. You can email me, David at BioLane.com. Um, and then obviously we have our biolane.com website and I've got my profile on there and 
and everything. So. And are you taking clients right now? You have space? I am. Yes. Yes. I still have a few slots that I'm, I'm opening up for the month of October. Yeah. Great. Um, so if you are interested, please reach out to me. I, I'd love to get an inquiry form filled out and do a consultation and see if, uh, see if we could do something for you to help. So. Yeah. Amazing. David, thanks so much for your time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Alrighty, hopefully you guys really enjoyed that. Um, as I said in the interview, I saw David, I think I said it in the interview or it was offline, I saw him in person at the Team BioLane Day that they had in May and I just thought it would be such a great opportunity to chat to David more in depth on the talk that he gave at that one day symposium. So hopefully for you listening, you got some takeaways that will either be helpful for you as an individual or for people you coach or just even your knowledge base. Next week on the podcast, I talk to Leighton Phillips, founder of S-Fuels, all about that sports nutrition product. This is a good one, team, because it goes into the science behind fat metabolism. But more than that, we talk about other ingredients that are potentially helpful for you as an endurance athlete. Anyone that follows Dan Plews, Zach Bitter, will know the S-Fuels product, and I think you're going to find it a super interesting conversation. Until then, though, you can catch me over on Facebook at Mickey Willardin Nutrition. Instagram, Twitter and threads at Mickey Willardin. Head to my website, mickeywillardin.com. All right, team, you have the best week. See you later.